Joyful, joyful, we adore Thee. What a great way to begin our second Sunday of Advent today. Uh, it's good to be here to, together and to be joyful with the, uh, with the people of God. And we're glad that you're here today. We welcome you. We welcome our guests especially. We, you're very important to us. We're glad that you're here and hope you'll feel a, a part of our family today. Let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets on each row. We'd like to ask if you would to fill those out and to, uh, so we can have a record of, a, of your attendance with us. Just check the appropriate box, put your name and address and email address on there, and, and we would certainly appreciate that. We have several announcements we'd like to call to your attention. Uh, first of all, our youth will be going this afternoon to uh, the journey to Bethlehem at Cairo, at, and I'm sorry, Cairo. <laughs> Cairo Methodist Church today. Haven't said that in a little while. That's right. So <laughs> Cairo. Forgot where it was. Uh, but that's this afternoon, and we invite our youth to be a part of that. Any instructions with that, Rachel? Need money for lunch. And they're just staying after church? Or, or is it? It's right after church there. Okay. So just stay right after church and, and have money for lunch. I think y'all are having lunch together. Also, Tuesday, our um, women's mission group will we'll be having their annual Christmas dinner and auction, so all the women of the church are invited to that. That will be at Lana Hopgood's house at 6 o'clock on Tuesday. Also, I hope everyone received a uh, service survey uh, from the nominating team. If you didn't, there are some in the foyer. And we'd like to ask if you would to fill those out so we could... Uh, uh, know what you're interested in. The, the nominating team is working to, uh, to fill positions, and uh, it would be very helpful if you would fill one of those out and turn it in. You can drop it in the offering plate or drop it by the church office, uh, and it would help us tremendously in, in the work that we are doing. Next Sunday, uh, we will be having a Chrismon service here at our church. We've done this once before, a couple of years ago. And what a Chrismon is, it's, it's a, one of those dual words there. It's, uh, it stands for Christ monogram, and they are Christmas ornaments that we will be using to decorate a Christmas tree. And all of these ornaments are ancient symbols of Christ, and they are beautiful, and it's a meaningful service. So, so we invite you to come next week at 3 o'clock in the afternoon for this service. And then immediately after the service, uh, hang around for the Deacon's Open House. Uh, that's always a delight, and it's a great way to uh, share and fellowship during this Christmas season. And also, I have tickets for the Holiday Pops, uh, and Brittany also has tickets for the Holiday Pops, but you can ignore, ignore her and buy them from me. <laughs> no, we're not in competition. It's, all of the, the proceeds to this goes to, uh, to Habitat for Humanity. And it's a wonderful, wonderful um, program. Uh, the Owensboro Orchestra will be coming to the Fine Arts Center, and that's on December the 12th. And uh, it's a great program, and, and uh, it's a great way to be, uh, be involved with the Christmas season there. You know, we are called to share the love of Christ with one another, and especially at this time of the year, that's very important. So let me invite you now to stand and let us share the love of Christ as we greet one another. Welcome. 
church service yet, man? Good to see you. We heard him back from the church service.
We look forward to Christmas and the justice of Christ. This Christmas, as we eat and drink, there will be many less fortunate. But Christ comes for all, regardless of age or sex or nationality or religion or wealth. He comes to bring justice to an unjust world and cause us to help. As we look forward to Christmas, we light the second candle in hope of justice and promise. The second candle is lit. Pray, Lord, in all that we do that this Christmas help us to remember those who are waiting for justice. Amen. There is a song that fills the air in these days. A song of love for those who have been wounded. A song of celebration for those who, whose joy is full. A song for children. A song for adults. A song fills the air these days. May this melody of God's grace fill our hearts and spill out into our lives. May this Advent season be filled with music of God's love.
Our gospel reading is from the book of Luke, chapter 3. In the 15th year of the reign of of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip, ruler of the region of Icturia and Trachonitis, and Lysanias, ruler of Abilene. During the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the region around Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Every valley shall be filled, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough ways made plain, smooth, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks Thanks be to God. Now, now we're on. There we go. What that took off. Okay. Well, good morning. You lots of oh, all girls. Well, that's good. All right, girls. We're going to talk about um, preparations today and preparations for Christmas and getting ready for Christmas. Have we been decorating at home? Yeah, we've been getting ready, putting up decorations. What's some things we've been putting up? Yes, Sarah. Christmas trees. Christmas trees. What else? Yes. Decorations. What kind of decorations? You forgot. Okay. <laughs> Mangers and sets. Okay. Um, anybody been hanging these? Yes. Stockings. What do we hang stockings for? Yes, Mary. Yeah, we're going to hang that up and let Santa put stuff in there for Christmas. Now, what's the condition for Santa to put stuff in there? Yes. Only if you're good. Oh, that's right. Only if you're good. What happens if you're not good? What's Santa put in there? Everybody. Oh, <laughs> okay. So what the scripture talked about um, today and what the lesson I think talks about today is that John was talking to people about Jesus coming 
Um, in the kind of the same way that we talk about Santa coming and being good for Santa, so you can get the reward from Santa, that you need to um, be good and um, repent your sins and live right for Jesus to make yourself ready for Jesus coming in the same way that you make ready for Santa coming. Uh, it's kind of the same, kind of the same thing. So what I have for everybody, and I hope it's the only time and the only kind of coal that you're going to get, is a little stocking with a lump of coal <laughs> for everybody that Miss Mary will give to you when you go upstairs. So, uh, when you go upstairs. <laughs> so when, as you're getting ready and you're preparing, so take some time to really think about the true preparations for Christmas and what it means for the birth of Christ. Um, coming into the world and make preparations not only for Santa but make preparations for Jesus as well. Okay? Thank you. come to you this morning, Lord, thankful that you make salvation available to all people. We thank you for using us to reach others, for we realize this is but one way we grow and become strong in the spirit. By serving others, Lord, we bring glory and honor to you. We know that your timing is perfect, Lord. We ask that you place people in our paths this week that need restoring, that need to see your love in action through us. We want to attempt great things for you, God. Use these tithes and offerings to help this congregation make the path straight for others so that every valley shall be filled with praises when our King returns. Amen.
I may digress for a moment from my prepared message, I mean it when I say to you, You guys! Sometimes you're bad! Don't be jerks! You're supposed to be good! I'm in my office every day, and somebody comes in, and they're like, Hey, whoops! My don't! Dan, what is your deal? If anybody doesn't know, Dan is the worst. I took a vow to not say who's the worst, but it's Dan. You guys are making me look bad in front of God. What's that? Oh, look, it's Jesus. And he said, stop it! Touching, isn't it? <laughs> you like that little video? <laughs> you know, Lisa's uh, children's moment a moment ago um, reminded me of a song that I heard just this week. I'm getting nothing for Christmas because I've been nothing but bad. <laughs> that little video, I chose that video because that, that pastor there kind of reminds me of a wimpy version of John the Baptist. And uh, John the Baptist is the subject of this, our second Sunday of Advent. You know, I guess, I guess everyone has his or her own concept of what is important in, in life. Uh, there's a tombstone in Wisconsin that leaves no doubt about the priority of the person who lies in that particular grave. Under the, a certain man's name and pertinent dates is carved this inscription. Bold 300 in 1982. <laughs> I guess that was what was important to this man, and he wanted the world to know it. And I'm sure some of you bowlers can, can probably relate to that. Or I heard about a woman uh, taking her time browsing through a yard sale one, one afternoon, and she said to the homeowner, my husband is going to be very angry when he finds out that I stopped at your yard sale and so the homeowner said to her, well, I'm sure he'll understand when you tell him about all the bargains you found. And the woman said, well, normally I would agree, but he just broke his leg and he's waiting for me to take him to the emergency room to have it set. <laughs> I guess we all know what this woman's priority was, and it wasn't her husband. A teenager named Buck was walking home one day when he suddenly realized that he was flanked by two men, and one of the men said to him, give us your wallet. Give us your wallet or I'll shoot. But Buck said no. And so the man holding the gun said, hey man, you don't understand. We're robbing you. Give us your wallet. But, and Buck said no. And the other robber said, give us your wallet or I'll knife you. And again, Buck said no, and he just kept walking. And then he realized that the two men had disappeared. And as he related this story, a, a friend asked him, weren't you afraid? And, he, and Buck replied, of course I was afraid. And then why didn't you give him your wallet, he asked. And Buck said, because my learner's permit is in it. Oh. Everyone has his or her own idea of what is truly 
important in life. And our lesson for this second Sunday in Advent takes us to a man who believed that he had one mission in life, and that mission was to prepare the world for the coming of Jesus. His name was John the Baptist. As you can see from the picture up here, John was not the most diplomatic of persons. Happy Advent, you brood of vipers. He was not a very uh, diplomatic person. He was gruff. He was angry. And if ever there was a hellfire and brimstone preacher, it was John the Baptist. He called things like he saw them, and he let chips fall where they were, including confronting the powers that were with strong words and even resorting to name-calling. But listen as Luke describes John's purpose. The word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the country around the Jordan, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. As it is written in the book of the words of Isaiah, a voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in, every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight, the rough ways smooth, and all people will see God's salvation. My friends, at the very center of John's life was this one mission to prepare the world for Christ's coming. And that is our task as well, to prepare the world for Christ. But it is so easy for us to forget about that sometimes, isn't it? I heard about a young woman whose fiancé had been sent to basic training in the Coast Guard at Cape May, New Jersey. This was soon after their engagement, and she visited him when he had his first liberty. And that evening they had a wonderful, quiet dinner together, and then they took a romantic, moonlit walk towards the ocean. However, as the sidewalk ended, the young man stopped. The young soldier stopped, and his fiance wasn't ready to stop. She said, let's go on down to the water. And he, his response was, what? And have the sand ruin the shine on my shoes? Those of you who have been in the military probably understand that. It takes a lot of work to have an, a, a lustrous shine on your shoes. But that young man needed to, to decide in a hurry which was more important to him, his fiance or his shoes. And you know what? It's easy for us as followers of Jesus to take our eyes off the target, to forget what's really and truly important. Because there are so many priorities in our lives, especially at this time of the year. We are so busy preparing. We are so busy decorating and shopping and preparing and baking and crafting and going to parties and traveling. And all of these things are, are wonderful, wonderful things. And they bring so much joy to our lives at this time of the year. But my friends, it is easy for us to get so caught up in these kinds of things when we really need to be thinking about our overall goal. 
which is to prepare ourselves and the world for the coming of Jesus. Jeremy Meyer says that in ancient times when a king went to visit a city, he would send someone ahead to herald his coming. And the herald would go around the city and go before the leaders of the city telling them, the king is coming. He will be here any day, so clean up your lives. Make sure that you are in obedience to the king's command so that you will not be punished when he arrives. And this herald also served as a city inspector, and he would make a list of the things that needed to be fixed. And he would tell them, clean up your city, sweep up your streets, get rid of the garbage, round up any criminals to make the city safer. Fix the roads and make them smooth and straight. Make sure the town is is gleaming. Make sure the city is fit for a king to ride through. It was an embarrassment for that city if it was not prepared when the king arrived. And it was also an insult to the king if they had not prepared properly for his arrival. Well, in the same way, John came to announce the coming of a king. But this was a different kind of king. A voice of one crawling in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make make straight paths for him. Every valley shall be filled in and every mountain and hill made low. The crooked roads shall become straight and the rough ways smooth. And all the people will see God's salvation. What a wonderful way to describe the preparation of the world for Christ. Straightening the curves and filling in the valleys, cutting away the high mountains so that the road might be level and easy to travel upon. Dr. Ralph Wilson tells about an effort at, uh, about the effort it took to straighten a highway in Southern California many years ago. The old U.S. Highway 99. This was a treacherous piece of highway. It used to wind and dip and climb and it, as it crossed the, the rugged Tahachapi Mountains, I'm not sure how to pronounce Tahachapi Mountains, Tahachapi Mountains, I think it is. But at one point, the road rises up to an elevation of about 4,000 feet. And one old deacon told Wilson that when he was a young truck driver, it took a full two days to drive his semi only 110 miles from Los, Los Angeles to Bakersfield. Two days. As the road climbed the steep mountains, he would have to shift into low gear and, and literally crawl up the slope. And then when the, the road descended into the canyons on the other side of the mountains, he would have to shift it into low gear again and ride the brakes in order to keep the truck from careening off the side of the mountain. Fortunately, the government decided to do something about this treacherous stretch of highway. Between 1960 and 1972, U.S. Highway 99 was upgraded and it became I-5. One of the most impressive engineering projects in human history. Road cuts hundreds of feet deep were sliced through the mountains and the rock and the dirt that was extracted from these, these slices were used to fill deep gorges and canyons. Whenever I cross that stretch of I-5, Wilson says, I think of John's mission of preparation for the coming of Christ. 
and of God's work in my life to make me fit as a disciple. He said, God is seeking to prepare you and me to cut through the mountains of our pride, to fill up the valleys of our despair, to straighten our crooked moral rationalizations, and to make us fit for the king himself to travel upon. This is why each year on this second Sunday of Advent, we always visit John the Baptist preaching and baptizing in the wilderness. The leveling of the land is a word picture helping us to understand how John's ministry prepared the way for the ministry of Jesus. And all people will see God's salvation. Luke says to us, this was a message. This was the message of John. The salvation of the Lord has come to everyone. And he bid us to prepare. But how were the people to prepare themselves for the coming of Jesus? Well, according to John, they were to prepare themselves by repenting of their sins. We read these words concerning John the Baptist. He went into all the country around the Jordan preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. You know, repentance is not a word that we usually associate with Christmas, is it? It's not. We don't usually put those things together. I mean, after all, Christmas is, is always a, a warm, fuzzy holiday. And, and at Christmas time, we like to think of God as a jolly old Santa Claus type figure who forgives all and accepts all and who would never hold us responsible for how we live our lives. And so the last thing we want to think about at Christmas time is repentance. And if truth be told, even if it weren't Christmas time, it's, it's still hard to combine this vision of a prophet in the wilderness dressed in animal skins and eating locusts and wild honey and calling people to repentance with a vision of our modern society that doesn't even acknowledge the concept of sin. I mean, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, right? We're not even sure what sin is anymore. It's a word that's lost its sting. And meanwhile, domestic violence takes the lives of thousands of women each year, and more than half of our nation's children live in single-parent homes, and addiction to various substances continues to soar, and young people wander around without a moral compass, and the media spews forth violence and obscenity and it makes it makes me wonder could it be that we are in greater need of of baptism of repentance than we than we might imagine actually we're not all that different from the people of jesus's day you see most of the jews of jesus's day didn't feel that they needed a baptism of repentance either You see, the Jews of Jesus' time believed that only Gentile converts to Judaism needed to be baptized. And that was for the purpose of washing off their Gentileness. You see, Jews consider themselves to be children of Abraham. So why would they ever need to be washed clean from their past? They, like we, had no concept that they needed to prepare their lives for a new kind of reality 
the coming of the King of Kings, the Messiah, the Prince of Peace who would establish a new reign of love and light. I love the way Frederick Beekner describes John's ministry. He said, John the Baptist didn't fool around. He lived in the wilderness around the Dead Sea. He subsisted on a starvation diet. He wore clothes that even the rummage sale people wouldn't even handle. And when he preached, it was fire and brimstone every time. The kingdom was coming all right, he said, but if you thought it was going to be a pink tea, you'd better think again. If you didn't shape up, God would give you the axe like an elm with a, blat, with a blight or toss you into the incinerator-like shaft. He said being a Jew wouldn't get you any more points than being a Hottentot, whatever that is. And one of his favorite ways of addressing his congregation was as a snake pit, you brood of vipers. Your only hope, he said, was to clean up your act as if your life depended on it, which it did, and get baptized in a hurry as a sign that you had done so. Some people thought he was Elijah, come back from the grave, and others thought he was the Messiah. But John would have none of either. I'm the one yelling himself blue in the face, he said, quoting Isaiah. I'm the one trying to knock some sense into your heads. Well, maybe we need a little head knocking ourselves as we get closer to Christmas. All of us. We're preparing our homes for Christmas, but not our hearts. We're hanging up lights, but we're ignoring the darkness in our own lives, the darkness of, of strained relationships and the darkness of moral weakness, the darkness of anger and hopelessness and, and fear. And I wonder if these things might need a little attention as we prepare for the coming of Jesus. Many of you were probably fans of a heartwarming TV show called Extreme Makeover Home Edition. You probably saw that back in the day. It's not on anymore, I don't think. But back in 2004, Time Magazine carried a story of Alice Harris of South Central Los Angeles. <clears throat> she told how, how the good people of Extreme Makeover volunteered to demolish her house. It seems that the year before, a flood had left Alice and her family, who had no insurance, living in one bedroom. And worse, the flood had even ruined a bunch of Christmas toys that she had collected for poor kids in her community. Harris said, I figured no one was going to come to watch and help us. No one had ever done that before. But Extreme Makeover Home Edition did. And the staff shipped, shipped Harris and her family off for a vacation for a week. And, and while they were away, a hundred workers and neighbors tore her house down and built a new one, a bigger one, a better one. And they replaced all of the Christmas toys and the other donated items and gave them to her flood-stricken and needy, family, uh, needy neighbors. They even threw in a basketball court in the neighborhood for all the kids and what a wonderful Christmas Alice and her family and neighbors had, thanks to Extreme Makeover Home Edition. Well, folks, John the Baptist wanted people to understand that the coming of the Messiah would mean the coming of Extreme Makeover World Edition. 
Not just home edition. World edition. And that day is still to come. It is a day when the poor will no longer be oppressed. It is a day when the hungry will be fed. It is a day when the world will no longer need to take up arms. And it will be a day when children will no longer need to live in fear. And you and I are called to participate in that makeover. We are called to make it happen. And so the question I have today is this. Are you doing your part? Are you doing your part or are you simply satisfied to participate only in that part of Christmas that feeds our desire for parties, presents, and pleasant thoughts and cares very little about the plight of our neighbors and our world? If that's the case then the prophet says to us that it's time to repent. The king is coming. And we need to prepare the way of the Lord. Amen. Let us sing together our closing hymn, number 300. Without him, we would be nothing.
seen an intimation of the presence of Christ. And as we leave this place of worship, help us to be the presence of Christ in this needy world. Help us to see Christ in each of our brothers and sisters. And as we encounter this needy world, may we do our part to make the rough places smooth so that those around us will see God's saving work. Bring your kingdom into our lives, O God, as we follow your teachings of love and hospitality and grace and justice. Amen.